Uh, why don't you turn in your Bibles, if you've got them, to Psalm 57. I'm going to pray once more for us as we come to read God's Word. Lord God, we thank you for this book, the Bible. We thank you for your Word. Thank you that you've chosen to speak to us through Jesus Christ, your Son, most perfectly and brilliantly, but also provided us with the Bible, your Word, so that we might see Christ and see his glory and his power and his love. And I pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to each of us um, today as we read from the book of Psalms. So, uh, last night, I was all set to preach to you from uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. We've been going through Matthew's Gospel. I was going to preach to you um, from Matthew chapter 10 on the authority of Jesus being given to the apostles um, in Matthew chapter 10. And so, I've now got a sermon um, in my back pocket, if ever I need one, um, from Matthew chapter 10. But after hearing the announcement and praying and seeking God, I really felt God stir me. Um, to preach instead from Psalm 57. Um, so we're taking a break uh, from our Matthew series, and, and we're going we're gonna to read together Psalm 57. And I'm going to start just by reading it to you. So let's read, and uh, it should appear on the screen behind me. The sermon title you saw there's got nothing to do with what I'm going to preach about. That was the old sermon title. I forgot to change it on the PowerPoint, but there we go. Let's read um, Psalm 57 together. To the choir master... According to Do Not Destroy, which is just presumably a song that the Israelites were familiar with, a miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will, put, he will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So David writes Psalm 57 in the middle of a calamitous, difficult, trialing situation. He's been anointed the future king of Israel by the prophet Samuel, and unsurprisingly, perhaps Saul, the current king of Israel, is jealous and hates David and seeks to take David's life. And so David is fleeing from King Saul, and he's hiding amongst peoples and even in caves in order to get away. He's in a calamitous, difficult, trialling situation. And yet in this moment 
of trial. In this moment where he could be fearful and terrified and and shaking and struggling, David, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe the Holy Spirit is the author of all of God's word, but he chooses to write through individuals. So David, in the power of the Holy Spirit, finds words to articulate and praise God, even in the midst of this situation. And the words he finds, the words he writes in Psalm 57, I want us as a church to take those words and put those words into our mouths and into our hearts and into our minds at this moment in history, at this time, after we hear that we're going back into a second national lockdown. I think this psalm will speak to us wonderfully and be so helpful during this month of November ahead. You know, I'll be honest with you, as I said at the beginning of the service, I'm, I'm sad about the announcement. I totally understand why the announcement has been made and why given the data and the number of people who are uh, getting COVID and the number of people who are dying from COVID, it's important to make decisions like that. So I completely understand the decision, but it, it has made me sad that we won't be able to meet again until December. I'm frustrated. I'm a church leader with all these amazing, great plans for where we're going to go and what we're going to do as a church. And, and right now I'm going, well, I have to put that one on the back burner and that one as well and that one as well. It's frustrating at this time. I must admit, personally, I don't feel anxious, but I I do know that there will be people in this room and people watching online, people all over Fairham and in our church who are struggling with anxiety. What is God doing? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to be affected? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my loved ones? What's going to happen to the ones I care about? And I believe for all those people, people feeling sad, people feeling frustrated, people feeling anxious, this psalm will be extremely helpful to us this morning. So the first thing I want us to see in Psalm 57 is that David declares the steadfast love of God and his extraordinary power. Have a look at the end of verse 3, where David writes, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Or have a look at verse 10, when David builds on this same idea. In verse 10, Jesus, uh, sorry, David says, your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. David is declaring the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. And we must do the same during this month ahead. We must declare with our lips boldly and loudly the steadfast love of God. We need to not just hear sermons on a Sunday, but we need to preach to ourselves throughout the week about how much God loves us and how his love is steadfast. Some of you may not know the love of God. Maybe you're not a Christian visiting here, or you're watching online, and you don't know the love of God. But this is what Jesus reveals when he comes to earth in the New Testament. And John 1 verse 12 says this, All who receive Jesus, all who believe in Jesus' name, are given the right to become children of of God. The story of the Bible is an adoption story, and all who believe and trust in Jesus 
are adopted into God's family. And so every Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're a Christian watching online, you can say, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. He is my father and he is the most loving, compassionate father. His love is perfect. His compassion is steadfast and unchanging. And you are his child. He loves you. He cares for you. The story of the Bible is not just a story of adoption. It's a story of God's love. And God's love was shown most clearly and most gloriously upon the cross. Jesus Christ, God's Son, loved you and the Father loved you that they came up with a plan together to rescue you from your sin and your wrongdoing. And Jesus Christ in love, died for you. He died an agonizing death upon the cross. That's how much he loves you. He he died for you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, to rescue you from the things you've done wrong, to bring you forgiveness, to give you the gift of eternal life, to restore you into relationship with your loving, heavenly Father. And so as Christians, as followers of God, we need to declare the steadfast love of God over our lives and we need to look to the cross and say, I know God loves me. I know God loved me then and I know God loved me for eternity for on the cross Jesus won eternal life for me. If you're not a Christian, today is an invitation to see Jesus on the cross, to see God's love and to believe in Christ and receive and experience that love. And Christianity is not just in our heads and things we talk about and things we say. It's an experience as the love of God is poured out into our hearts and lives. And if you're a Christian, this message is a reminder of God's amazing, steadfast love for you. I'm praying and hoping that right now as you're listening to this, you are experiencing anew the fresh love of God for you. Jesus loved you so much. He died for you. Never forget it. Proclaim it to yourself. Think of it often. This great, wonderful, never-ending, everlasting, eternal love that God has for you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And so David in Psalm 57 declares the steadfast love of God. Let's be like David in this next month. Though calamity is raging around us, let's preach to ourselves and remind ourselves of the steadfast love of God. But David doesn't just speak of God's love in Psalm 57. He also speaks of God's power, God's exaltedness, his his heavenliness. Have a look at verse 3 again. As I said, at the end of verse 3, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. But where does that love and faithfulness come from, according to verse 3? Well, at the start of verse 3, it says, heaven. God will send from heaven his steadfast love and his faithfulness. This is a verse that doesn't just speak of God loving us. It also speaks of God's exalted nature in the heavens, reigning over all. Have a look at verse 2. David doesn't just cry out to God in verse 2. He cries out to God most high. And then, in the second half of verse 2, he says something beautiful and powerful in this moment for us. He, He says, I'm crying to God most high. I'm crying to God who fulfills his purpose for me. David's fleeing King Saul. 
David's running about, hiding in caves. He used to be a shepherd. He used to be a songwriter. Well, he's still a songwriter because he's writing this psalm, but he, he, used, he was anointed king and, and he was a great arm, army leader, a warrior. Now he's hiding in caves because the king is seeking his life. It would be easy for David to think, well, God's not achieving his purposes right now, is he? Everything's in chaos. Everything's in disorder. But David knows that even when calamity comes, God is mighty and he fulfills his purposes. And not just he fulfills his purposes, he fulfills his purposes for me, writes David. And so we can take that verse and say that God achieves his purposes for his children whom he loves. COVID will not thwart the purposes of God. And not just the great, big, massive purposes of God, but also God's purposes for you. COVID and lockdown number two will not thwart God's purposes for you and your life. Because he cares for the world and he cares for his individual children, like every good father does. Do you know, God has purposes for you in the month ahead. He has purposes for this church in the month ahead. And he has purposes for this nation in the month ahead. And nothing will stop him achieving his purposes. I wonder what God has for you this month. Let's not be, let's not be sad and, and kind of shrink back and think, I'm just going to wait this month out. Let's believe that God has purposes for us in this month. I wonder whether something of God's purpose for us and for you as an individual is that you would enter into a deeper and closer, more glorious relationship with God so that you, with David, can say, I take refuge under the shadow of God's wings. I think that's something of what God is doing in the lives of Christians and what he will do in the month ahead is that he will, he will bring you into deeper, closer, more faith-filled relationship with God. So I can say this morning that lockdown two is going to frustrate some of my plans. It's going to frustrate some of my plans. It's going to thwart some of my plans. But it will not thwart God's plans. It will not hinder God's plans. And that is a wonderful encouragement. God is so mighty. God is so sovereign. God has so much power that he will fulfill his purposes for you, even in this month ahead. That's my first encouragement from Psalm 57. Let's declare and remind ourselves of God's love and power. And you, and you know what? Just to add to this point, David doesn't just say these things, doesn't he? He doesn't just say, God has steadfast love for me. You know, sometimes I'm kind of like a, a factual doctrine kind of type guy. I like lists of things that are true. And so I find it encouraging just to say, God has steadfast love for me. But some of you are poetic, artistic people. And David was a songwriter. So David was artistic and poetic as well. And so he doesn't just list these things. He writes beautifully and poetically. And so he does bring that picture in verse one, doesn't he? He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. You know, I'm sure I've watched on one of David Attenborough's programs, like a mother bird taking her chicks under her wings and the wind 
storming and raging and the, the bird sheltering her chicks under her wings. Well, this is the picture that David brings of God and us. God, spiritually and wonderful, wraps his wings around us and shields and shelters us. So if you're a more artistic person, poetic person, then use the imagery of this psalm or even come up with your own imagery to describe how God is showing his steadfast love to you. And if you're boring like me, just say it, just state it like facts. But So whether you're a poetic person and you want to declare the steadfast love of God in a poetic way, in a metaphorical way, or you're like me and you just want to come with a list of doctrinal truths, let us as Christians declare God's steadfast love and faithfulness and his power and might for us. It's my first point this morning. My second point this morning in Psalm 57 is that David prays. Now that might sound like an obvious point to make, but after declaring the truths about God, David also prays those truths into our life. So so you'll see he declares, "In uh, in my soul takes refuge in God. And then he declares as well, your steadfast love is great to the heavens, But then he's also praying and asking God that he might experience that love, that he might experience that faithfulness in his own life. So he begins the psalm, doesn't he, in verse 1 by saying, Lord, be merciful to me. And he says it twice, Lord, be merciful to me, be merciful to me. His prayer is so earnest and genuine that he repeats that phrase, be merciful to me. And so David models this important truth. Followers of God declare truths about God. They declare his steadfast love and his power and and his glory and his majesty. And then they also pray those things into their lives. We declare and we ask, Lord, you are merciful. You are the Father of mercies. Be merciful to me. Lord, you are the God who achieves his purposes in me. Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, your love extends to the heavens. Pour out your love in my life. The prayer is the exercise of faith in the truth and character of God. You know, if you just declare truths about God, those those truths can be separate from who you are and how you experience life. But the one who declares and then prays draws those characteristics of God so they experience them and know them more deeply in their lives. And so they declare the love of God and pray for the love of God. They declare the glory of God and pray for the glory of God. They declare the power of God and ask for the power of God. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, church, we must declare declare and we must pray just like David does in Psalm 57 for in this way David is able to take refuge in God he declares and he prays and look at what he is able to say in that experience he's able to say my soul His inner being, who he is at his deepest and most profound level. He says, my soul takes refuge in God by declaring and praying, asking 
and declaring. In verse 4, David says, My soul is in the midst of lions. There's fiery beasts, there's sharp teeth and tongues. He's saying, around me, if you look outwardly, there's all these people who are trying to get me, all these people who are like lions seeking to devour me. But then in verse 7, David can say, My heart is steadfast. He is able to show and receive such amazing comfort and security, even in the calamitous times he finds himself in. His life is at risk, and yet he's able to say, my heart is steadfast. His heart is not melting. His heart is not quivering and quaking. His heart is steadfast, even as King Saul tries to kill him. May we also find such peace and such security in this circumstance, in this moment in history. So, we've seen in Psalm 57 that we are to declare God's love and power. We are to pray and cry out that we might experience God's love and power in our own lives. And and we must do that in order that we can say, my soul finds refuge in God. My heart is steadfast. But the thing I love most about this psalm, Psalm 57, is David's concern for the glory of God. Isn't it amazing? David's life is at risk. He's fleeing from cave to cave. You might expect him to spend his whole time praying for himself and and seeking his own mercy and seeking his own comfort. But instead, in verse 5 and in verse 11, David doesn't pray for himself. He asks rather for the glory of God to be revealed. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, he prays. Let your glory be over all the earth. In other words, show your glory to the angels in heaven and to all people here on earth. You know, glory, the Hebrew word for glory is kaved and it means weight. And so when you think about the glory of God, think about a set of scales. And you put onto the set of scales all the things that are good about God. You put his love onto the scales. And you put his power onto the scales. And you put his salvation onto the scales. And then you put his his care and concern for those who are poor and needy onto the scales. And then you put his voice and his words and his revelation onto the scales. You're heaping up all these good things upon these scales. And if you've got one of those old-fashioned you know, butcher's scales, the needles kind of ticking up and ticking up, everything that you put on. So all of God's goodness is on the scales, and, and it's so heavy that the scales cannot record the weight. That is what the glory of God is. It's all the goodness and graciousness and love and power of God weighing on top of each other as we seek to comprehend just how glorious God is. And David prays that God would be exalted, that God would be glorified above the heavens and all over the earth. In other words, he's praying, show your wonder, God. Show your goodness. Show your power. Show your love. Show your holiness to the angels and to all on earth. Matthew Henry writes these words on Psalm 57. David, in the greatest distress and disgrace, does not pray, Lord, exalt me, but rather David prays, Lord, 
exalt your own name. Our best encouragement in prayer is taken from the glory of God. And to that, more than to our own comfort, we should have regard in all our petitions for mercy. Because you know what? In a time like this, the temptation is to turn inward and to make your prayers all about yourself. To pray only for yourself, that God would comfort you, that God would help you, that God would show his mercy to you, that God would show his favour to you. But the faithful child of God lifts their eyes and prays for God's glory and God's praise and that God will receive the honour he is worthy of. Of. And in doing so, as we turn away from praying for our own circumstances and praying instead for God's glory, our hearts are lifted, our eyes are raised, and in, in, instead, of, instead of becoming more and more anxious as we're focusing on our own struggles and trials, instead we think about the love and the glory and the beauty of God, and we find joy in that place, we find comfort in that place, we find security and, and glory in that place, thinking about the glory of God. And so I want to ask you today, church, is your concern for God's glory? Do you pray for God's glory when you pray, or are you always praying for yourself? Is your concern for God's glory reflected in the way you pray and the things you pray for? Are you like David in Psalm 57, who though he's being chased by Saul, though he's fleeing into caves, can say, God, glorify your name, exalt your name above the heavens, and and may your glory cover the face of the earth. Christchurch Fairham, I hope and pray we can make November a month where we really do cry out to God, saying, Lord, exalt yourself in heaven and on earth. May your honour and praise go forth from my lips and from the lips of the rest of the people in the church and from all the people in this town and from all the people in this country, Lord. May you receive the glory you are worthy of. And so I want to finish our time in Psalm 57 by focusing on our worship lives. How's your worship life right now? How's your private, devotional, worshipful life? Doesn't this come through so beautifully in verses 7 to 10? David writes, I will sing and make melody. Are you singing God's praise at home? You know, when we come together as the church, we read the Bible, we pray, and we sing together. And we do those things because the Bible tells us to do those things when we gather together. But we also do those things so that when you go home and go about the rest of your week, your own private devotion, your secret worship, would also be full of prayer and Bible reading and singing praises to God. Let's get the worship CDs on, or let's be bold and just sing out like we sing in the shower, praise to our Father in heaven so that we can say with David, I will sing and make melody. Then David writes, Awake, my glory. In other words, David's saying, may everything that's good and weighty in me arise and awake to give God the glory and praise he is worthy of. Awake, my glory, and speak of God's glory. He said, awake, O harp and lyre. And if you're a musician, if you play instruments, use your instruments at home to worship the Lord. And then David writes this bizarre phrase, I will awake the dawn, he says. 
Now, normally the sun shines through the curtains and wakes us up. But David says, as I worship, I'm going to worship so vigorously and so passionately that in such a way that I'm going to wake the sun up. That's almost what he's saying. I'm going to be so enthusiastic that I'm going to wake, I'm going to bring the dawn to me. And perhaps David is talking about his own circumstances. He's saying, I'm struggling in darkness and calamity, and I'm crying out in praise. And as I cry out in worship and praise, it's like the dawn arises, this light shines in. And that's what happens when we worship and when we praise in difficult and dark circumstances, the light of Christ shines. And it's like we've brought the dawn. The sun hasn't woken up us, us up, but the Our worship has awakened the light to come into our circumstances. And so I say to you, during this season, during lockdown number two, worship that the dawn might come, that you might awaken the dawn by your worship. So passionately you're singing God's praises. What is David singing? Well, look at verse 9. He's singing thanksgiving and praises. Thank you, Lord, that you're my Father in heaven. Thank you for the salvation I have in Jesus Christ who died for me on the cross. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who is God in me, who resides in my heart, who is with me wherever I go. Thank you for the food that I eat. Thank you for the shelter that I have. Thank you for the air that I breathe. Thank you for the church and the family of Christians whom I can reach out to and who will help me at this difficult time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Singing these thanksgivings. Are you a thankful person? Are you a worshipful person like David in Psalm 59? Take a moment just now. Consider your private worship life. How is it? How are you doing? Are you just worshipping on a Sunday, either at home, watching online, or in the room? Or or are you a worshipful person on a daily basis? Make a resolution with me that during the month of November, as we're forced to spend more time at home, would you with me set aside time to sing praises to God, like David does in Psalm 59. Do it daily. Let's turn our quiet times into loud times. Yes, we're praying and reading the Bible and being quiet to listen to God, but we're also erupting in praise and worship and shouting, giving God the glory and the thanksgiving he is worthy of. I tell you the truth. If you spend your whole time praying for yourself, you will not find as much comfort and security as you will find if you spend time praying for the glory of God to come and and pouring out worship and praise towards him for all his goodness. And so as I draw to a close, church, let us respond. Let us be like David in, in Psalm 57. Let us declare the great love and power of God. But let us also pray and ask those things to come into our own lives and hearts that we might say, I have a steadfast heart. My soul has found refuge in God. And let us also pray for the glory of God, taking our eyes off of ourselves and asking most earnestly for God to glorify himself, that the people in our church, that we ourselves, that the people in Fairham, the people all over this country would cry out and glorify God for his love and his power and his glory and his majesty and his salvation. Let us go from this place and worship God like David does in Psalm 57. Let's pray as we finish our service. Heavenly Father,
Your steadfast love extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness goes up to the clouds. Lord, you have shown your love and shown your faithfulness in Christ. He died for us while we were still sinners. We were rebels against you, and yet Jesus in love died for us in love. And then in love, he poured out the Holy Spirit that we might believe in Christ and trust in him and give us life eternal and forgiveness. Lord, your love continues. It's been steadfast since the beginning of eternity. And we thank you for that. And now we pray that we might experience and know that love, that you would be merciful to us, that you would show favour to us. We cry out to you, Lord. And we pray particularly during this time, that this time of lockdown again might, might really be a time of growing in Christ, learning more about you and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But Lord, most of all, we pray that you would glorify yourself. Lord, bring yourself glory in the heavens amongst the angels and here on earth amongst the people. Lord, may we cry out praises to your holy name. May the people of Pharaoh cry out praises. And if the people of Pharaoh don't cry out, may the rocks cry out in praise and worship of you that your name be glorified forever and ever. Lord, achieve your purposes in our lives, we pray. Lord, we believe that you have great purposes for us, for we are your children and you love us. And I pray during this season that we would know your purposes and see the way you're working in our lives. You are the God who is mighty. You are the God most high who achieves your purposes in us. And we ask you to do that, for we know that you love us and you always do what is good for us. So come, achieve your purposes for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.